people think, oh, I'm going to hire a coach and they're going to walk me like I'm a baby and I'm going to grow up, eat, sleep and breathing real estate. No, you need to put your time, your effort into it, into the program, into the educational content so you can take out as much. Welcome to the Apartment Investing Journey, where we explore every facet of multifamily investing and development with top investors, brokers, and service providers who share their strategies, successes, and secrets to help you on your apartment investing journey. Hey guys, David Robinson here. Welcome to the Apartment Investing Journey. Another great episode for you today. I've got a guest that I've been looking forward to having come on for quite some time now. He's got a great story, great journey coming from uh, the residential real estate side of the business and then building a really incredible uh, multifamily syndication business. And so uh, excited to have Chris Salerno with us on the show today. Chris, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Very excited to be on here and uh, add value to all your listeners. Oh, I appreciate it. Well, uh, Chris attended Wharton Business School and Winthrop University. Chris successfully transacted more than $40 million in real estate volume and helped lead the number one real estate team in the Carolinas to produce more than $140 million in annual sales. That's prior to creating QC Capital. Uh, he was named uh, Charlotte's 30 Under 30, Elite 50, Elite 50 Entrepreneurs, 30 Under 30 Entrepreneurs, and nominated for Forbes 30 Under 30 in 2018 and 2020. And Chris has uh, quickly gained recognition and notoriety for his hard work and dedication and uh, really doing some incredible things in the syndication space. And so we're excited to dive into to what you've accomplished and how you've gotten there. And our, our podcast is all about the journey. We want to sort of fast track and learn from what you have experienced over this you know, time frame that you've gone and built this business. So if we can, let's back up and let's talk about where it all started for you. Yeah. So uh, the multifamily um, investing and my thought process behind it all started for me, I was brokeraging real estate. I, uh, at the time, had single family rentals, single family flips, and I, I knew that when you played the game Monopoly, the goal is to have the largest building because you get more in cash flow. And, and I realized that that's, that's what you have to do in real life. And you need to own apartment units because the more apartment units you have, the economies of scale. So I started the old hard way. This was when Grant Cardone, I'm sure a lot of people know of him, only had 400,000 followers. And I started following him. And I started hearing what he was doing and, and seeing what he's doing. I said, okay. So I went to the sec.gov, which a lot of people do not know this, but if you go to the sec.gov, you can actually pull up 506C syndications or funds, uh, PPM documents. So I pulled up uh, his PPM document on his, uh, that most recent transaction. I can't remember now. And I printed it out and it was like over 300 pages. And I started to read through it. Now, it put me asleep a couple of times, but, uh, but I, I started to get the idea of it. And then I read a book called Crushing It. I believe it's called by Brian Murray. And funny thing is, is we're actually in the same networking group now, him and I. And I started opening my thought process up. I started uh, then searching for apartment complexes. I did, did a, I did a couple of tours while I was brokeraging real estate, put a couple offers in, didn't get them. I went to a networking group and uh, funny story is, is I showed up to this networking group in a three-piece suit because I used to wear suits all the time back then. 
And I walked in and everyone was in t-shirts and, and flip-flops and, uh, and shorts. And I'm, I turned around and someone's like, um, here, are you here for the multifamily networking? I said, yes, I am, but I think I'm in the wrong space. They said, no, you're not. You're in the right space. And I walked in, I was like, well, no one's in suits. Everyone's dressed casually. I said, okay, well, I'm going to make it work. Started handing out business cards, started networking, and I heard someone's success story. And I went up after and I said, thank you. You know, pleasure meeting you. Thank you for hosting. I said, your success is very intriguing. You have to have a coach. At that time, I was coaching 12 people in the real estate industry. And he said, I do. His name's Joe Fairless. I said, I never knew he coached. I listened to his podcast. And he said, uh, he does. It's a private group. It's invitation only. I said, I want it. I had a call with Joe. Joe and I hit off very well. I hired him as my coach December of 2018. February 1st of 2019, I created QC Capital. Uh, within two years, we scaled to a little over 85 million and over 650 units. Well, you breezed right through that and uh, <laughs> it made it sound like it's just uh, you throw on the three-piece suit, you go to a networking event, wham, bam, you've got no, $85 no. million dollars under your belt. So let's uh, let's dive into that a little bit. Let's back up when you started to think about multifamily. There's a lot of our listeners that are in the space where they're either investing in small multifamily or single family, and they're interested in getting into larger commercial multifamily. You talked a little bit about you know the benefits of multifamily, the economies of scale, Grant Cardone. What advice would you give to someone who's starting to think through this process of scaling up and going into commercial multifamily versus staying in a space that they're probably very comfortable with in the small multifamily or <clears throat> residential space? Yeah, you can make money in small multifamily residential. I mean, you're seeing, I'm seeing a lot of institutions buying up bulk single family rentals in certain markets because you can have a very high cash on cash. Uh, when you have bulk single family rentals and, and you operate it very similar to apartments when it comes to the maintenance side of things. So your expenses are lower. My thing is, is that it's, I always say this is the economies of scale. I mean, if you have a 20 unit apartment complex, say five people don't pay rent, two other people go ahead and leave. You're already at what, seven people and you're at 20 units. Now you only have 13 units that are occupied and paying rent. I promise you probably will have to come out of pocket to maybe make the mortgage or some expenses if that happened with a 20-unit apartment complex. But when it comes to 200-unit apartment complex, it's going to take a lot of uh, a, a huge, uh, you know, just economic shift. Uh, even during COVID, you saw some apartment complex get hit, but a lot of these larger apartment complexes did not because the economic it's the scale of the units. So with a larger apartment complex, it just it makes sense because of the efficiencies that you can operate that property at, property management company fees are cheaper. Lenders like larger properties. And, and you actually make more of a profit by increasing the rent, say just $25 per unit on a 200-unit apartment complex compared to a 20-unit uh, you know, apartment complex. And, and so that, those are a couple of reasons why I would say is you know, really think about scaling up into the larger apartment complexes. Now, when you get into that space, it's very competitive. I would say you probably have all male lions trapped in a cage. Um, I mean, that's how competitive <laughs> it can get. And someone drops a little uh, filet mignon in the middle of it. That's how uh, when you get up to the larger units, that's how uh, competitive it can get. 
Yeah, I love it. Well, that's a great explanation. I appreciate you going into a little bit of detail there. Let's uh, let's move forward a little bit to this uh, place where you ended up hiring a coach, right? Yeah. And you went to this networking event. They said, hey, you know, if you really want to get into this business, you really need a coach. You ended up working with Joe. Talk to us about that experience and what value did you obtain by hiring a coach and what advice would you give to someone who's considering hiring a coach? Yeah, I love that. So the value is what you put into it. People think, oh, I'm going to hire a coach and they're going to walk me like I'm a baby and I'm going to grow up, eat, sleep, and breathing real estate. No, you need to put your time, your effort into it, into the program, into the educational content so you can take out as much. Don't expect going into these coaching programs that you pay a certain amount and you're going to get everything handed to you. That's not the way it is. Think of it like college. You pay a lot of money for college, but you have to do a lot of work to get through it. I prefer going the coach route instead of going the college route, but you're not just going to go sit in class and expect to get A's and and pass college without even opening a book or, or studying or anything like that. So why I picked Joe was I'm a firm believer a coach should be one-on-one. There's a ton of great programs out there. I, I looked at them, but I did not want to have the person who was at the very top, who's, who's running a successful business, I did not want to have his coach's coach's coach to coach. I wanted to have right. him. So I looked for individuals that offer programs, and obviously they're at a lot higher price, but look for individuals that offer programs where I had the coach who's operating and, and running the successful business. And that's what I found and, and was able to interview multiple times and, and get it. Yeah. And you started working with him in 2018 and then you glossed over the success that QC Capital's had in a very short period of time. Just reiterate that. I didn't catch all where you guys are at from a unit standpoint and, and assets under management. Yeah. So right now within two and a half years, uh, we're at a little over 85 million in 650 units. We are selling off three of our assets. So uh, that, that count will get down, uh, but we are actively looking for our next acquisition currently in final and best on an, or a large deal in Orlando, Florida. We only uh, offer our offerings as 506Cs, so they're, they are only open to accredited investors, but that's where our unit count currently sits. Love it. So, okay, we got to break down how a guy that's been in the residential brokerage world, leading sales team, transitioning and doing you know single family fix and flip and stuff, to getting a coach in, in December of 2018 and with two and a half years accumulating 650 units and $85 million in assets under management. Talk to us about that process that you've gone through to achieve that. And especially early on as, as you started working with Joe and looking for your first opportunity. Yeah, um, I think it was extremely helpful uh, from the operation position I was in operating the previous real estate company. That was extremely helpful because coming into working with Joe, I knew a lot of the real estate industry. There's just some things that were new to me that I just gained the education on. Uh, So that was very helpful. And then really moving into the first ever acquisition was actually, I found it off market. And the risk you take, and especially here in the Carolinas, I just got off uh, a phone call prior to this with someone that wants to come into the Carolina market. And I tell them, you need to partner with other operators, for example, like us. Partner with us, add value, come on the GP side as a co-sponsor. That's how you can get into this market. If you want to come in just cold handling and with no partnership, you're going to have to place anywhere from $1.5 to $3 million hard day one. 
non-refundable. That's how this market is. And that's how competitive this market is. I'm losing out to deals placing a million to 1.2 hard day one. And I still lose out. So if you're coming in with no broker relationships, you're going to have to really make a statement by being the highest bidder and then also coming in uh, with a very large amount of hard money and short DD period. Yeah. And so on that first deal that you you know took down your first deal when you got into the space, was that uh, obviously a little bit different environment two years ago, but uh, still, I'm sure, highly competitive at that point in time. You're brand new, right? Oh, yeah. You want to get out there and get your first deal under your belt. You found it off market. Tell us a little bit about how that broke down. Yeah. So I was touring a 92 unit that was on market and I looked over and I saw there's a fence and a 44 unit. And I asked the broker, I said, Hey, is this the same owner owns this? He said, no. I said, well, can you see if they want to sell? Cause I'd love to buy the whole thing, make it 137. And he said, or excuse me, 136. I mean, he said, no, uh, or he said, yes, they want to sell. And so I lost out in the 92 unit best and final. And then I went back a week later and said, is that 44 still available? He said, yes, it is. I said, I want it. And we were able to get it, sell it with, we sold that one within a year and a half. We sold that property and our projected returns for that one, because it is sold, I'm able to uh, disclose it was around a little over 18% and uh, IRR. And we were able to get uh, around 21%. Uh, so above our performa and projected returns for our uh, investors. No, that's great. So was there anything that you learned on that first deal, trying to get your first deal under your belt that our listeners could take away and apply into their own efforts to get their first deal under their belt? I would say to get their first deal on a belt, it's always good to partner. Find uh, someone that you can partner with and build that relationship. Help uh, really have them guide you in the aspect of understanding how to operate a multifamily deal, raise capital, the ins and outs, because there's so much moving parts to it by just touring a deal, getting an acceptance on LOI, negotiating the PSA, due diligence, uh, raising capital through all of that. There's a lot of moving parts in it. And I always say partner with someone who knows it very well to gain that knowledge until uh, you're at the right place to, to do it on your own. Yeah, love it. Great advice. Well, let's uh, maybe transition here and let's talk about this deal, a 144 unit deal in Greenville, South Carolina that you took down recently. Uh, maybe just describe for us the asset and how you source the deal. Yes. So that one is uh, completely off market on that particular asset. And um, we built very strong relationships with the broker who was able to bring it to us off market. Seller needed to sell before the end of the year uh, to get out. He had some investors that needed to uh, to get out and uh, liquidate uh, their investment. And so we were able, they presented to us, we were able to negotiate uh, and, and close it uh, end of last year, which is nice. Uh, you know, during the pandemic, uh, a historical presidential election and the holidays uh, raised roughly $7 million. Okay. So yeah, that's a challenge, right? You're in the middle of COVID, holidays and election time and raising $7 million. So you went from, you know, acquiring a 44 unit on your first deal to 144 unit. Not sure what the purchase price was on, on that uh, 44 unit, but this is a big step up, right? So how was the deal structured? I know you mentioned that you do only 506C, so I assume that was the case with this one as well? Correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. 
And uh, from a uh, deal structure perspective with your investors, how did that look? Uh, from a deal uh, structure perspective, for that particular asset, we have two different classes. Uh, so it is, it is 506C, so I can talk about it. It is on our website as well. It's a class A, which we offered at a 9% PREF annually with no upside. And then they do have priority and cash flow. And when we, uh, and then class B is a 7% PREF. They have second position for cash flow uh, behind class A. And they do receive an upside, which uh, for that particular asset was anywhere from 13 to 18% IRR. Got it. Okay. Great. And during that time, did you run into any challenges from a debt perspective, uh, considering everything that was going on with COVID and and, uh, the holidays and everything else? No, uh, right before we closed, uh, the lender did cut our proceeds just slightly due to everything that was going on. Uh, So that was unexpected that we had to handle, but we were able to uh, still get it closed uh, and fund it. But other than that, uh, no, it was a good process. Okay, great. And uh, just describe briefly the asset itself. Is this a a class B value add deal? What was sort of the business plan and the asset? Yeah, so this was a C plus B minus type of asset. The owner who owned it also owned the property management company, which poorly managed it. And what we uh, what we found is there it was poorly managed and operated. So we were able to go in there, increase rents organically around one hundred and thirty five to one hundred and forty five dollars without doing any renovations. And uh, we were really a- we were able to put a professional property management in place to operate it to our business strategy. Uh, we painted the exterior, resurfaced the parking lot. Uh, it has newer roofs on it, new landscaping. And when it comes to the interior units, we did renovate a couple to prove out the business model and the rent increase substantially. And then all the other units we're doing uh, mid uh, turns to, and we're actually, we're able to see anywhere from 175 to 225 increases on those mid turns. Yeah. Love it. And what's the status of that deal today at this point? Going very well. We're very pleased with, uh, with how it's performing. We'll probably uh, revisit uh, maybe a possible exit in a year or so from now. That was a three to five year hold, but I think we can get out within two years. Yeah, great. Well, good for you. Thank you. And so w- w- on that particular deal, was there anything unique, challenging, or that just went really well that you learned from that our listeners could potentially take away? Yeah, it was definitely a challenging deal. We had some 1031 money come in at the very end, which uh, gathering 1031 capital, um, you need to make sure everyone's on the same page because there's so many attorneys, so many people involved. And and when someone goes on vacation, they can't do anything. You need to make sure there's a backup contact because that that will postpone things. So that's definitely something uh, we learned uh, very strongly about was the 1031 capital that was coming in. And then the seller who we dealt with was uh, not a reasonable seller. He gave us all headaches, even the brokers. So, uh, so we definitely learned to not work with that seller again. <laughs> <laughs> even though we bought a good asset, uh, he was just a headache to deal with. Sure. Well, look, Chris, I appreciate you going into some detail about that deal. It's helpful to just sort of see how deals are taken down at a high level. And yeah. uh, I want to start winding down here, be respectful of your time, but I got a few questions before we do. I'm curious about for those that are in a W-2 position or have an, another existing business, have you exited your other business completely? 
Have you continued to work in that business while you built up QC Capital? I'm just curious about how you handled the significant residential business that you'd built up and then transitioning to QC Capital. Yeah, no, when it, when it comes to uh, QC Capital, I don't believe in, uh, I don't believe in doing anything, uh, you know, halfway. I, I believe in going all in. And when it, came, or when it comes to QC Capital, what I did was I, I jumped all in. I, I let everything go. I did not uh, do like a small merge. I let everything go, put my back against the wall to grow the company. Love it. That's great. So what's on the horizon for you guys? Uh, what are you excited about? What are your plans for the next you know, two, three years? What does this look like for you? Yeah, so uh, we're very excited uh, about our, our growth that we're having and, and that we're going to have in the near future. Uh, our main focus right now is acquisition of our next asset. Uh, like I said, it's very competitive and very challenging in the market. So we're working extremely hard with the relationships that we have to source our next acquisition. Yeah, that's great. Well, again, thank you for taking the time to to walk through your journey at a high level and to dig into this particular deal, uh, 144 unit in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, before I let you go, uh, a few final questions for you. The first is, uh, what's the biggest mistake or challenge that you've faced on your apartment investing journey that we could all learn from? I would say biggest challenge is when you uh, when you raise capital, you, the people who you think uh, you're going to raise from normally don't invest, and the people who don't you're, you think you are not going to invest normally do invest. So always always be raising capital, always grow grow your brand, send out educational content. And uh, what's the biggest win you've had on your apartment investing journey so far? Uh, biggest win, I would say, uh, is uh, raise, raising roughly um, $7 million during the election holidays and uh, towards the end of last year with COVID. Yeah, that's great. That is a big win. All right. Last question before I let you go. Yes. What's the best advice that you have for someone who's just starting their apartment investing journey? I would say gain the knowledge. Listen to, I mean, they're doing the right thing by listening to your podcast. Listen to podcasts, get on YouTube, read books network with other individuals and, and gain the knowledge uh, because knowledge is power and you can utilize that. You need to take action on what you, uh, what you gain. But that right there, I would say is the best. Love it. Well, Chris, uh, very impressive what you've done in a very short period of time, $85 million in assets under management, 650 units. You've got a great podcast yourself, the Mindful Multifamily Show and a great Facebook group, the Mindful Multifamily Network. You can check both of those out. Outside of those two sources, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you, learn more about what you have going on, and potentially participate in one of your future opportunities? Yeah, uh, thank you again for having me on. Best way is go directly to our website, uh, qccapitalgroup.com. On the top right, you'll see it says invest. Go ahead and click on that and fill it out. Uh, We'll be able to set up a 15-minute call with you and I, uh, discuss if we're a good partnership for each other. Love it. Well, Chris, again, thank you for your time. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey with us. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Hey, before you go, if you and I haven't connected yet, please head on over to canovocapital.com. You can join our investor network or download our free passive investor's guide to multifamily syndications. Either way, I'd love to connect with you personally. Also, I just want to thank you for listening to the show and providing feedback and reviews. If you haven't already, please, please, please take a second and leave us a rating and written review. This helps us to be found by new listeners and helps us attract great guests in the future.
Thanks again for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great day.